Hello there, my beautiful cozy babes, and welcome back to the Cozy Babes Club. I am your host, Chloe Taylor, and this week, first of all, I need to say, if the audio sounds a little bit more echoey, it's because I purchased some like basically like that foam stuff that goes on the wall like it's what you see in like music studios and stuff uh but it hasn't come yet but the wall it had like a I had a curtain up on this wall that helped to soundproof and I took it down and actually hung the curtains over the window in my office where they rightfully should go and now the room sounds a little weird acoustically, so I apologize if things sound a little weird right now. Within the next week, it will be all better. Uh, I'm actually, I have a new microphone getting delivered tomorrow, so like our next podcast is going to sound so buttery. Uh, I'm actually doing a lot of updates right now to a lot of my setup, so my content is about to be like top-notch quality, and I'm very excited, but we can talk about that probably next week or the week after. But this week, y'all, first, second of all, so first of all, sorry about the echo if there is one. Secondly, uh, this episode is a fun little treat. We are doing a Q&A episode. I asked y'all over on Instagram to send me in questions and you already know it's always an anything goes. I feel like y'all never ask me super juicy questions. Like they're all pretty sensible, which is nice. You know, it's nice to have sensible questions, but like when I tell y'all I'm an open book, like as a Gemini moon, I really am. Like there is very few questions that I would ever avoid answering because I just, I don't know. I feel like everything, I feel like the entire world's problems could be solved with conversation and like, if we could just talk, maybe we could have a better world. <laughs> and that's that's on period, okay? That's coming from a Gemini moon. Of course, I think talking would solve everything. But in any case, um, I am going to keep these anonymous. So I'm not going to be like shouting out people's names or anything. But just know that these all came from my Instagram page at Chloe Taylor. Uh, I didn't repost it to the Cozy Babes Club Instagram, mostly because... Honestly, I didn't think I would get any questions because I have a much smaller following on that account. So it felt, it felt easier to just go through my main account. But, um, in any case, we're just going to start from the top. Um, I did select, I did pre-select the questions that I was going to be answering today. Uh, the ones that I'm not choosing to answer are mainly because they're questions I've already answered before. But anyways, from the top, we have, how are you for real? sending you love and big hugs. So I always love this question. Somebody always asks it every time uh, I do a Q and a and, and to be honest with you during the mercury retrograde in Virgo, I have Virgo in my midheaven, which means that it basically like rules the highest point in my chart. So like what people want from me in like, even like the public eye, my public persona, this podcast, uh, my career. Uh, I also have Virgo natally in my 10th house, which not everybody has the same midheaven and 10th house, meaning like most of the time I would say it's common to see your midheaven and your 10th house in the same place, same sign, but not everybody. Sometimes you'll have it split minor in the same. So my midheaven and my 10th house are both in Virgo and this retrograde was hard. I felt like I really lost a lot of my direction. And mainly the thing you have to remember though about retrogrades is 
it's not that like bad shit is just supposed to pour onto your life. It's that you're meant to redirect. You're meant to refocus. You're meant to like have a lot of clarity come to you once that is lifted. So, and I literally feel like that's exactly how it went down. Like for three weeks, I think I was a puddle of tears. I cried almost every day, not even an exaggeration. And literally on the day of the Virgo new moon, when Mercury stationed direct, so Virgo new moon and Mercury in Virgo, Virgo stationed direct that day, it was like, Everything in my life made sense. All my productivity habits came flooding back to me. I bought a new planner. We're upgrading equipment for the channel and for the podcast. And like, basically I just got this huge creative burst of energy that like, I felt like I just did not have access to for the last several weeks. Uh, on top of that, I've had just like a lot of family stuff going down. Many of y'all already know, cause I've talked about it before that my mom is currently undergoing chemotherapy for uh, lymphoma. And, uh, I also have had a family member pass away within the last few weeks. And, um, despite those really hard things, I feel like not to say that I'll ever be like over, over it. I mean, you know, I'd like to hope that my mother will eventually be cancer free, but when it comes to the passing of the family member in question, I, I don't, I feel like as somebody that has experience with losing family members, like I have a sister that passed away in 2017 that I was pretty close to. I don't feel like you ever really get over it necessarily, but I feel like you, it gets easier over time. And sometimes it still hurts. Like even to this day, sometimes I'll think about my sister and I'll have a cry, you know, it's, and that's okay. It's normal. I feel like it's a normal part of grieving somebody that's not here anymore and having more love to give them, but having nowhere for it to go. So, um, this other passing in my family, I'm purposefully choosing to really keep to myself as like, it just is so fresh. So, um, you know, it's, it's still been hard though, especially because I don't live near my family. So I will say like, there's been like a lot of hard things that have come about this month. I also have the death anniversary of my sister in just a few days, like this week. Uh, I want to say it'll be six years since her passing. Yeah. Six years this year. So like, it's just like September is one of my favorite months of the year, but it also has just been filled with a lot of heavy energy. But like, despite all of that, that I just mentioned, I feel like I had a few really hard weeks and I finally feel like I'm regaining energy now. I feel like things are getting better now. I'm starting to feel better now. And I honestly feel like really on top of my bullshit. If Like Chloe Taylor back on her bullshit. Let me tell you, uh, I really feel like on top of my shit, like, you know, that shit's about to get serious when I bought a new planner, like the girls that get it, get it. When you buy a new planner, it's like, if you're not a planner type of person, you will not get this, but the girlies that get it, get it. You buy a new planner, you know that your whole life is about to up level. So really excited for when that, uh, comes in this week, but like genuinely, I don't feel as like empty or sad or confused as I have for the last few weeks. I genuinely feel a lot happier, a lot more optimistic about life. And 
especially when it comes to my creativity, I feel like things have only stood to improve. So that feels really good. Um, I'm sure I'll elaborate more on that in the future, but that's, that's for real how I'm doing. Like genuinely, I feel like I'm doing a lot better than I have been, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been a rough couple of weeks that I've had. Okay. Next question, your business story and behind the scenes. So I'm not really necessarily like there was no question technically within this, but something I just wanted to mention with this and I kept it in here for that reason is there have been a few people that have come to me like in my Instagram DMs, uh, even on like the podcast in the area where you can, uh, especially if you're on Spotify, you can like leave comments People have asked for more behind the scenes or like what kind of equipment I use for things. And I've pretty well decided that on Patreon, I am going to be making a video that's going to go over all the equipment that I use for everything when it comes to the podcast, my YouTube channel, planning, making thumbnails. So like, if you want to see like the end all be all behind the scenes of that, that's where I'm going to make that available with like links to everything. And, um, it's something that I feel like I've needed to create for a really long time, but it's something that when you're in the sphere of YouTube, you do have to consider like, don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, a video that just like doesn't really perform on your channel, isn't going to kill your channel. But if it's like a consistent thing where things just aren't performing, you can slowly start to dig yourself into a hole. And I know this from previous experience because I've had another YouTube channel completely like inflate and deflate. And so I don't feel comfortable putting it just like on my YouTube channel. So I feel like putting it on Patreon just makes more sense. And that way the people that like really want that piece of content know where to get it. So, um, I will be kind of covering a lot of like behind the scenes stuff in terms of my business story. I feel like I could make that an entire episode of itself. Um, I would love to like answer more specific questions about that because I really do feel as somebody that has been a digital entrepreneur for 13 years, I really do have a lot of experience, especially in YouTube specifically, somewhat with podcasts, uh, quite a bit of experience with Twitch streaming and quite a bit of like experience even now as we've evolved into like short form content, like everything just kind of keeps evolving. And I really would love to talk more about that story because I do think people that especially want to get into the field, there's like so many things I feel like I could answer for somebody else. And yeah, so I will like definitely write that down as to like cover that in the future. I just feel like it deserves its own episode because there'd be just too much to cover. Uh, okay. Next up, we have how to reconnect with your guides. If you feel a lack of presence. So when I feel like my guides are not connecting with me, two things. Number one, I have to get myself to a place of surrender and recognizing that maybe there's a reason, maybe there's a reason that we're disconnected right now. I mean, me and my guides were not right now, but if we are, maybe there's a reason that I just kind of like I don't need to know what's going on and I just need to sit in surrender and reverence. And that is something that did not come easily to me. That is something that I have had to work very hard to have that understanding. And secondly, if it feels too difficult, if things feel too empty, if I feel like I need 
support and I just cannot feel my guides, I always come with an offering. That is something that I feel like witchcraft will teach you. But even if you're not into witchcraft, I see nothing wrong with that. Like, even if you look at like Catholicism, for example, uh, when you, not that I think that everybody is religious here, probably most of you aren't, but offering candles, that's, that's so a part of culture in general. Like, I feel like honestly, if we could go back and talk to people thousands of years ago, it probably isn't so crazy. And that's probably something that people just did. Like even when there was like bounty and stuff given from a harvest, like they would offer things up to like the gods of harvest and what have you. And I feel like your spirit guides are, are no different. So not to say that they expect that of you and they won't communicate with you if you don't make offerings, but I always go with a candle. I will always offer up a candle, usually white. I find that white works the best because it stands in for any color. And I will just show up at my altar with one of those little, it could be a tea light. It could be a prayer, like a seven day candle. It could be a uh, votive. You can use, I like chime candles. I also really like birthday candles. Uh, I like birthday candles because you can burn them and they're quick. They're meant to be like fast acting and quick. So uh, birthday candles are great if you're, if you feel like you can't do like a big candle or don't have time for one, but ultimately I will leave a candle at my altar for my guides and just be like, yo, I really miss y'all. Where you been? I'm not feeling the connection or the love. Can you just like, let me know that you're here. And it's really important when you specify that, that you also specify it needs to be like, show me and give me a sign that I will not be able to deny it. It will have to be undeniable to me because I know how all y'all skeptic, uh, no nuance Nellie's work. I myself get there, you know, I can be a skeptic myself and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not even just skepticism, but like, I wouldn't even say it's like negativity either. We're going to go with skepticism for right now. Cause I'm, the word is missing from my brain that I need, but I know how it works when you're feeling really skeptical about something, whether it's going to work. I always have found that if I ask, like, please show this to me in a way that it will be undeniable to me, because like, I think so many of us can write shit off as a coincidence. Like, Oh, I saw three crows. That just means nothing. You know, I see crows every day or what have you. But honestly, I feel like when you ask your guides in that way, they will show you in the craziest way. Like they will show you in a way that you're, you, you won't be able to deny it. And that's kind of always like how I like to be shown things. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like scary or a big, like, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to put you in danger or anything, but just set that precedent. Like, Hey, I'm offering out this candle. I really feel like you're not connecting with me and I'm feeling really alone or state what the issue is, state what the issue is. And can you just show me that you're present here with me. And if you are like, I need to be shown a sign in a way that is undeniable to me. And I find that that I've never had that not work for me, to be honest with you. So I hope that works. And if you try it out, the next question we have is favorite comfort foods in the autumn. Honestly, anything I can put in the crock pot, <laughs> anything I can put in the crock pot. I, I know I told y'all, I think it was last week that I was going to open up a blog section on my website. I still haven't done it mostly because I think my website is about to get a facelift 
Like I am just about to redesign the look and feel of the website. So I kind of want to wait to add that in until I have the new setup. So uh, eventually I'm going to put like some recipes on there because many of y'all ask me for them and not to toot my own motherfucking horn, but beep beep. I am a good, I am a good cook. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I don't think that I am necessarily somebody with many, many talents, but cooking is one of them. Um, but anything I can put in the crock pot. So apple cider in the crock pot, like I mentioned last week, I also really love, um, chili in the crock pot, roast potatoes, carrots in the crock pot. Uh, I have a great recipe for that. And currently today, another favorite, I love doing chicken noodle soup in the crock pot. You basically just put, I do like a frozen chicken breast. Cause that's what I buy at Costco. I do two to three celery stalks, two carrots chopped up uh, half of an onion chopped up all of that into the crock pot, some water, some better than bouillon stock. I like the better than chicken or the vegetable one the most. Um, I put some of that in there, some thyme, some garlic powder, salt, pepper, and then you put that on low for three to four hours or basically just until the chicken is cooked all the way through, which doesn't even take that long, but I would say like three to four hours. And you just like taste the carrots, you know, make sure your chicken's cooked first, <laughs> taste the carrots. And then you pull the chicken out, shred it up, put it back. And then you add like a cup to a cup and a half of your favorite short pasta. So you could do egg noodles if that's your fave, which if I have them, that's what I prefer. But, uh, like today I have that in my crock pot and I don't have any egg noodles. So I'm just going to use some little shell pasta that I have put that in about 10 to 12 minutes before you're ready to eat. And then when it's, it's done is done. And then you've got chicken noodle soup and it cooked like basically without anything. Like you just dumped everything into one pot and then had to add noodles at the end. Shredding the chicken is the hardest part. Uh, but those are like, honestly, best fall recipes. Those are probably my top, top, anything in the crock pot. Those are the top four apple cider, a roast, uh, chili in the crock pot or chicken noodle soup in the crock pot. I'm a huge fan of all four of those. Uh, give me a crock pot recipe every single day of the week in the autumn and winter months. In fact, I was just thinking today that I want to make it my mission to actually try some new crock pot recipes because I just, I do, I love a crock pot meal, especially one that cooks all day. Like if I can put that in around like brunch time, 10, 11 AM, because I work from home, I can do that. And it's ready in the evening by like five or six. Those are my favorite. The ones that take like the bulk of the day to cook. I smell food all day. I'm anticipating that meal all day. And then at the end of the day, after I've had a good, long, healthy schedule, uh, of productivity and like, or tending to myself, you know, whatever we're doing that day. And then like dinner is just good to go when I'm hungry. Oh, that's just like, I don't know something about that. Y'all something about that. I just love it. I freaking love this next question because it's just right up my alley. Y'all just know me so well. But uh, favorite ways to feel luxurious. Y'all know that being a luxurious queen is like my brand. That's just what I do as a person. It's who I am. I'm a cozy, luxurious queen. But favorite ways to feel luxurious. First of all, anything in a wine glass. It doesn't have to be wine. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could literally be an Olipop. It could be a smoothie. It could be a green juice. It could be water. 
anything in a wine glass. If I am having a bad day, there is nothing that my little beverage going into a wine glass can't fix. Uh, so that's going to be number one. And then to me, it's always going to be about pleasing the senses. So like for taste, I don't know if I've said this before, but maybe you knew this about me. Maybe you didn't. I feel like when I'm trying to feel luxurious, even if I'm just like chilling at home in my pajamas, doing jack shit, nothing, one way that I can feel, even if it's like the cheapest stuff, okay? Even if it's like saltine crackers, a Colby Jack cheese slice, and like turkey, like lunch meat turkey. If I put it on a board and call it charcuterie, uh, girl, that is my, not like hands down. I just, my cheap, my little cute little, um, adult lunchable just became charcuterie. I pulled the wooden cutting board out and I laid it out. It is now charcuterie. Uh, obviously I love like a overdone over the top charcuterie board, but I feel like even just those core elements of having like, and you could do it plant-based too, you know, if you, a cheese, a meat or a meat substitute and a cracker, that's really all that you need, uh, for like bare bones in it. You know, that's, that's giving girl dinner. Like that is my ultimate girl dinner. If I am doing girl dinner, my man is not around. Uh, it's going to be cheese cracker and some kind of lunch meat every time I am. I was a bitch that loved Lunchables in the nineties. And that has just carried me into the 2020s. But, um, I am like definitely that on a board with my little water in a wine glass. And uh, honestly, like I do feel like a matching set of pajamas always hits different. Most of my pajamas are sets. Like they're not like the bougiest either. They're like target sets. Like I usually have Halloween pajamas that I keep around. Like I think last year's or maybe two years ago. And I have some from last year, this year's target Halloween pajamas were not hitting. Like, I don't know who was on creative design for those, but there was like a mummy styled one and then something else. And none of them were cute. I was like, these are ugly this year. No, thank you. Uh, but I have a couple of renditions from a few different years that I still wear them. They are still well-loved, uh, even though they're not like silk or super high quality cotton, like the fact that they match makes me feel luxurious. Okay. It's like when you take your clothes off at the end of the day and you realize that your bra and your panties matched and you're just like, holy fuck, I didn't realize I was being so fabulous today. It's kind of like that feeling, except it's your pajamas. So matching set of pajamas. Okay. Um, and then either a hair mask or a face mask, if I'm feeling really bougie, both. And then some kind of trash TV, not like reality TV. Honestly, I hate reality TV. If you love it, I love that for you. Uh, I have like a special place in hell for reality TV because back in the day, short story, kind of a sad story. Uh, back in the day when I was really little and I had a lot of surgeries as a kid because I am disabled, I have hip and knee dysplasia. I was born with it. Uh, I had a lot of surgeries from ages like one to about 12, many, many, many spent a lot of summers in a body cast of my life. And, uh, during the day in the summer when other kids were out doing things, or maybe they were in school because there was also times where I had had that happen over school time. Um, reality TV and Nick Jr. were all that were on. And it got to a point where I was a little too old for Nick Jr. or like the Disney little kid shows. And so I would just watch reality TV for hours. 
And that was not enthralling to me. I just, I feel like it got very predictable. Like I'm talking, like I was watching Maury. I was watching Jerry Springer as a kid. Like I had no filter and my parents had like no, I always said they were hands off, but I'm just going to call it what it is. They were neglectful, which like with seven children, how can you not be neglectful? Like, yeah, I'm not here for the big Mormon family nonsense, even though I'm the youngest of one. Um, but that's not even like a slight on my parents either. I genuinely think they did the best they could with what they had and what they were dealing with. I don't think they, you know, they didn't set out to have seven kids originally, but frankly, I was neglected. And so I just watch a lot of reality TV. And so now I can't stand reality TV. It is a cold day in hell when I'm like, oh, you know what? I feel like watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It does happen maybe once every like six years. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately I like trash TV in the sense that I love like the teeny bobber shit. I love me some vampire diaries. I love me some pretty little liars gossip girl. Oh my gosh. Special place in my heart. One of my all time favorite shows. I watch it probably every couple of years all the way through, uh, Gilmore girls. I don't really think is trash. That's a pretty good, like fun for everyone. Uh, but like, that's the vibe I want to, usually I'm, it's, it's a toss up between vampire diaries and, um, pretty little liars because both of those shows to me, they are not superb acting. They are full of so many plot holes, but it's just like teen pop trash. And I just love it. I love it. And that is my idea of luxury. Okay. My little cracker board, my little wine glass, whether it's a bevy or it's water, a matching set of PJs and hair or face mask or both. And that's the vibe laying on the couch. If it's autumn time, I want the fireplace on. I want my fall candles lit. Okay. And that's the vibe. That's how I feel luxurious. Um, I think I just told you like my most ideal evening, <laughs> but that's what I got for you. Okay. Next question we have, are you a statement outfit, simple shoe or a statement shoe, simple outfit, girly? I'm going to be real with you. I kind of, when I'm being bold, which this year has been a year of boldness for me. Y'all know that red was my color for this year. Uh, and actually newsflash, my color for 2024, I've already figured it out. It's Brown. She's going plain Jane neutrals next year. Uh, I just, I always kind of know before the year comes, what's what I'm going to be doing. And Brown is the color next year for me for the first time ever in my whole life. I've had like times where I've recircled red or green. Uh, I've never had just a Brown year. So we're doing Brown in 2024, but uh, that being said, I feel like my aesthetic next year is going to be a lot more simple shoe, simple outfit, but typically I am a simple outfit. Uh, I am a simple outfit with a statement shoe kind of person. I would rather have the shoes scream loud and proud. Like even in my earlier years, like in high school, I was the same way. I would have like my flats that, cause flats were the thing. My flats would be like bright ass red encrusted with a bunch of jewels and shit. And I always got lots of compliments on them. Like I would always wear the really loud shoes, but my clothes would be like jeans and white t-shirt. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a statement shoe kind of person. But I do feel like in the next year, my outfits are going to get so like neutrals 
it's giving clean girl aesthetic, to be honest, even though that's not what I was trying to do. I'm honestly trying to do like more classy elegance, but I also just like love athleisure. Like athleisure is my personality. It's just comfortable. Okay. Next question we have is how do you balance self-help work and radical self-acceptance of your present self? This is a lot easier than I think most, or a lot harder than I think most people think. Not easier, harder. Um, because the, th the reason I left this question in is because I just wanted to make like a personal public statement about how the self-help is no longer helping. Like I used to be the kind of person, and I think my content reflects that, reflects what I'm about to say. I used to be the kind of person where I always felt like I should have a self-help book going. I should always be reading a self-help book. And here's the thing that created the worst burnout I think I've ever been through. And I got that from listening to other gurus, listening to other people that are deep in their productivity and their business growing. And, you know, it's read self-help, always have your mind activated, always be growing, always be working on yourself, always be trying to learn. And what had happened was, uh, I basically read so much self-help that, and I wasn't embodying any of it. That's the problem because self-help is not a bad thing. Inherently self-help. I've learned some of the most amazing things from self-help books. I think it's why I am the way that I am. It's why I'm so like cerebral and I love psychology and I love social, like I love learning about the human mind is just so fucking fascinating to me. And I think that when it comes to spirituality, these two things go together. And so it's like really fascinating for me to learn about it. But when you're learning stuff nonstop for, I don't know, I feel like I picked up my first self-help book probably in like circa 2014. So almost a decade of self-help reading consistently all the time, every year um, you know, reading multiple books a month. Sometimes if you're not embodying and practicing any of the things that you're reading and you're not using your own discernment and you're just flying through books, the problem with that is that it can start to become overwhelming. You can start to use it as a tool to judge yourself for all the things that you're not doing. And this is exactly what happened to me. So I've actually come to a place because I would rather radically accept myself than judge myself every single day where I've kind of stopped reading self-help. <laughs> I, I still have like maybe a single book going that I'll return to here and there, but I have gotten completely back into like my fantasy fiction era and it's been really good and really healing for me. But I feel like with balancing, number one, we first have to know that there's a problem for me. I don't even know how that came about, but somewhere, somewhere in there, I realized there was a problem. And this happened like this year, I realized that I had a problem and I wasn't radically accept, accepting myself. I wasn't living in the present moment. And so I asked myself, like, what were the habits that I felt like were taking away from that? And how could I create the other direction. Because here's the thing. I also think that balance is kind of a myth. Like I think we're kind of always on like a pendulum and 
it can kind of come to equilibrium or close to equilibrium, but oftentimes we're going to end up going to a different direction and going back and forth a little bit until we come to a place of peace with decisions that we're making or ways that we're living our lives. And also new experiences enter our realm all the time, enter our reality all the time. And that can shift and change how we behave, what we believe, what we think. And because of that, I don't think it makes me feel like balance really cannot be achieved. Like I'm not saying that you have to perpetually always be stressed out or anything, but I just feel like the idea of having perfect balance with every area of life and self is something that I don't know that it can be mastered. It's something that I feel like the radical acceptance part has to come from accepting that it's always going to be a process and that's okay. And I don't know if that was helpful at all, but that's kind of where I've been lately. Okay. Next question we have, why do you believe people pleasing is manipulative? Can you please elaborate on this topic? I really wanted to answer this one because I think I have a short, sweet, simple answer. The reason people pleasing is manipulative and it's not a, why do I think it is, it is a fact. It is manipulative because when you are people pleasing, you need to dissect it a little bit more. Why are you people pleasing? It is never just because you want to see that person be happy. I mean, that could be part of it, right? That could be part of it that you want to see them happy, but you need to check in with yourself. Why do you feel the need to, and not you specifically, this person that asked the question, but like the collective you, (laughs) um, not you specifically, but like anyone who comes across this or is having a hard time with this and asking why it's manipulative, You need to ask yourself why the relationship doesn't feel safe enough for you to express what your needs are or to not try to meet that person's needs or try to please them. Because even if it's unconscious, which I believe that it is, I believe that most people that people please don't realize. I feel like when you know that you're people pleasing and you're conscious of it, it turns into something else. When you are unaware, when you are unaware which like I said, I think the mass majority of people pleasing people are unaware that they're doing it. It is this incessant need to be loved, accepted, or there is a fear of abandonment. If you do not please this person or these people, it is a fear of abandonment. And the thing is, it's normal to feel that way. I think all of us to a degree probably struggle with an abandonment wound, not even necessarily from our caregivers, but biologically, through our DNA, if we look at our ancestors, if you were kicked out of the tribe, the village, what have you, and left to fend for yourself, you would probably die. In fact, you would die. So knowing that and having, having that knowledge, we can conclude that even through our DNA, of course, we're afraid to be abandoned. Of course, we're afraid to be alone. And so it's in one part People pleasing, it is to me a core fear of being abandoned, of being othered, of being left out, of not being accepted. But I also think sometimes it it is a learned behavior. And please remember that this has so much nuance to it. I am not the end all be all. There is nuance to this topic as there is in everything. But I do think that people pleasing can also be a trauma response. If you were in an unstable household or with a chaotic parent and you had to please their needs, 
in order to feel safe, to receive love, affection, maybe even to have your basic needs met. That can make you feel like you have to please everybody else you come in contact with or your needs will not be met. And it's a really beautiful thing when this comes into your awareness and you start to stop people pleasing because number one, you realize that you actually can meet your needs pretty well. And it also allows you to a set better boundaries and B actually ask people to help you meet your needs if you cannot. And that has been the hardest thing for me is getting my needs met through other people. And not all the time, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time I can meet my own needs, but sometimes there are things that I might need help with and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not always be this perfect person that can always say yes to everything that can always meet every need for somebody else. That's the problem with people pleasing is it falls under this guise of, Oh, but I love them so much that I want them to be happy, but that's never it. Because if that were it, you wouldn't feel like it's people pleasing. You would, you wouldn't feel like you want internally to say no, but you're saying yes. If it was to make somebody happy, it would just be a yes. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. If there's this internal, like, oh, I don't even want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like again, nuance to that. Sometimes you got, we got to do things we don't want to fucking do because they have to get done. But if you're constantly trying to please somebody else, make them like you, I would always say like, if you're trying to figure this out for yourself, what is the goal? If like, you really don't want to go to this party or get together, but you're afraid that if you don't go, somebody's going to think less of you, that should be your number one indicator that you're people pleasing. And all of us do it. We're all guilty of this. I myself people please. I don't mean to, I definitely think I've gotten a lot better about uh, um, exerting my needs and taking care of myself and not doing things that I'm uncomfortable with. Even if that means I have to disappoint some people, something else I also remind myself just as an extra little thing here is if I have to set up a boundary or say no to something and I, my internal instinct is to people, please. I always remind myself, whoever the person is that I'm going to talk to, because I don't really interact with children. Um, so-and-so let's call them John. John is an adult. And if John gets disappointed by me saying no to whatever this thing is that we're going to do, uh, that's okay. John is an adult and he can handle disappointment. And that's what I like. I remind myself that too, when like I ask my husband for something and he can't deliver that to me, I will say, you know what? It's okay. I'm an adult and I can handle disappointment. Um, and that's been like a really powerful thing, especially because growing up for me, I was taught to parent please, right? People pleasers are often parent pleasers first. I was really taught that if I made my mother look bad or if um, you know, oh my gosh, I don't even want to get in. That is a whole can of worms. But like, I had such anxiety as a kid about upsetting my parents for any reason. And I think it's because I had so many siblings in front of me. I witnessed do it first that especially in a chaotic household where my dad would always come home really angry and yelling and sometimes physically violent. And then you also had my mom who was not the best either for many reasons. It can create like in your child mind, it can create this belief that you don't know why things are chaotic. Nobody's explaining it to you. 
So you, you will start to take on this, like, oh, it's my fault. It's my fault because that's the only explanation I can come up with. So if I act a certain way, or if I don't do this, or I do what my parents say, like, you know, if I just go along with it, even if I don't want to, I will be safe. I will be loved. I'll be taken care of. I'll be cherished. I'll be supported. That was absolutely my experience growing up. And so it's been a really empowering thing to take that back and say, even to this day, when my mom gets frustrated with me, which does happen still because she's an emotionally immature person, I'm just going to call it like it is. So is my dad, very emotionally immature people. And it's very empowering for me to remind myself that, you know what? My mom is an adult and adults can handle disappointment. My dad is an adult and adults can handle disappointment. And it's, it's just something that I have to remind myself, like it's a normal part of the human experience. And basically I'm telling you how to overcome people pleasing. And you didn't ask for that. You just wanted to know, um, you just wanted to know why do we think it's manipulative? Because it is manipulative because the purpose of it is to make somebody think differently of you, to not abandon you, to love you more, to get your needs met in some way. It's not, it's never, it's not people pleasing if it's of pure intent. If you are doing something that you don't want to do because you want to make somebody else happy, it's not about their happiness. It's about how they feel about you. And so it is manipulative. It's a manipulation tactic. Even if it is under the guise of making somebody else happy, it's still manipulation. Okay, next question. How do you make new friends in a new place? I love this question because I feel like I am the resident queen on this one. This is going to be a long episode, y'all. Let me just tell you. Um, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors, but then I'm going to get into this question. So how do you make friends in a new place? You make friends in a new place. Number one, you, I hate this answer and I feel like the millennials are going to get it. Okay. The millennials in the, have entered the chat. Um, I feel like Gen Z as well. Anybody above that maybe won't, but like, I feel like for the most part, millennial and Gen Z people, we are not on Facebook. We don't use Facebook. We all hate Facebook. Okay. It was cool until the boomers took it over. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it like it is. It was cool until then. And I know that there are some boomers that listen to me that are cool as fuck. I'm not talking about you. Okay. If you're listening to my podcast, you're a cool person. I'm not talking about you specifically. Um, none of us really use Facebook. Okay. However, what I got to tell you is to find out what's going on in a new community that you've moved into a new town, you get on Facebook. Even if you don't add a single person and all you do is use this account to look at community events and join community pages, you will meet so many people doing that. I swear to you, there have been so many times that I have shown up to an event and met really cool people within the last year. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, in my town, actually it's not in my town, but there are neighboring towns that put on all kinds of witchy events. And because I am part of those Facebook groups, I am able to know when they are and show up to them. And I get to meet people in my community that are into witchcraft, that believe the same things I believe, or at least something similar that like are into magic or into manifestation. And it's amazing. Okay. Facebook has been really good to me for that. So number one, Facebook, even if you hate it, try it. 
Secondary thing, um, and I do think it depends on where you've moved because some people, frankly, there isn't going to be a rich community every place that you live. I am really grateful and I think very lucky and blessed that where I live, there is a really rich history and a rich community, like not rich, like financially rich, but like rich in people that want to be part of a community. <laughs> so um, I think I'm really lucky in that regard that there is like a very robust community and culture where I live. So um, I will say like, like I said, Facebook, but also any of like local grocery stores, local places, if any of them have pin boards up, people will just post stuff to pin boards out in public of events that are coming up. Um, I also feel like going to like local farmers markets, if you have them is really good. And another thing, I haven't tried this yet, but I recently found one that's like semi close to me. So I'm going to go at some point, uh, look for co-working spaces. If you work from home, that is. Uh, there's a co-working space, not too, too far from me. And I didn't even know it was there until recently. I like went to this town to go eat dinner and I saw the name of it on another building. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know we had one of these. So I feel like co-working spaces could be cool. Um, I haven't gone yet, so I can't give you a like proper verdict on it, but co-working spaces are where if you work from home, you can take like your laptop and you can go work in another working environment with other people that are also doing their own jobs. And I assume it's not like phone call stuff. Like I would assume it's like quiet work, but I've never done it before. So I wouldn't know. Um, but like a co-working space, I just think that's going to be so cool. And I'm really excited to try it out for the first time. So those are ways that I feel like I have been able to meet new people is just really trying to get involved with the community. And if you don't feel like you have a robust community, that is your sign that you're the person that has to start something. I firmly believe that. And even if it's just like you and one other person, like you and your significant other that show up for the first time or second time, that's okay. Eventually, if you keep posting it to Facebook or like I said, putting out like a flyer on a board or something, if you're the first person to make a community event, I guarantee you people are going to show up for it. But if you live somewhere where that community does not exist, it's your sign that you're the person that has to make it the meetup. Okay. Next question. What's your go-to remedy for a cold headache or anytime you feel, uh, feel sicky? Um, my favorite thing I'm just, just in general, um, I don't really have any remedies per se, but I am a big believer in bed. I am a big believer in staying in bed all day, every day until you feel better. <laughs> and I think for me, especially growing up as somebody that was in like a hospital bed a lot, it just, I have like an attached feeling of like bed equals healing. Okay. Bed equals healing. And I will usually take my iPad to bed with me. Cause I have like, you know, my Netflix on there, YouTube, whatever I want to watch. I can take my switch to bed with me, which like handheld video games. Um, but I will spend a lot of time in bed. I will say, I do feel like there is one thing. I just thought of this right now and I can't believe I forgot about it. Um, my husband and I do this thing <laughs> when we're both, when either of us are sick, we have something called, mine is called Chloe soup. Andrew's is called, and my husband's name is Andrew. Andrew's is called Andrew soup. We name them after each other. And basically when one of us is sick, if we're both not sick, when one of us is sick, 
the other person who isn't sick makes their soup. So like if Andrew is sick, I would make him Andrew soup. If I'm sick, Andrew would make me Chloe soup. And they're basically how this came about. This was so like, I think it's been over 10 years since we invented this, <laughs> but basically there was a time period where he was sick and I was like, what are your favorite things in soup? And he was like, I love potatoes. I love tomatoes. I love care. He basically explained like a minestrone styled soup or a veggie styled soup. And so I got to cooking and everything that he listed off to me, I made him a soup with all this stuff in it and he loved it. And I wrote everything down and I kept it and it's Andrew's soup. That's like his soup and he loves it because it's got all the stuff in it that he likes. And then one, when I got sick and he wasn't sick, he did that for me in the reverse. He was like, what's your favorite stuff? Like when you don't feel good, what do you want to eat? And my Chloe soup is, it's literally just a play on chicken noodle soup. It's chicken noodle soup, but you put cilantro and paprika in it. <laughs> Trust me, it's a delicious combo. The soup is kind of like red because of all the paprika. And the if you have the gene where it doesn't taste like soap, the cilantro at the end on top is just like Mwah, chef's kiss. It's really good. But that's Chloe soup. So I do feel like both of those heal. When somebody you love makes you soup, it's just very healing. I've also recently heard a lot about fire cider. I've never made it myself, but I would look into that if I were you because it looks interesting. I want to make some. And if I do, I'll, I will catch you up on that in the future. But um, that's something that I've heard really good things about as like a home remedy. Okay. Next question is, how do you handle a low energy day when tasks need done? Okay. Real talk, bestie. The only way I'm getting shit done when I don't have energy is by weirdly, this, this makes like no sense, but it works for me. So it might work for you. I don't know. You tell me, I'm not gonna lie to you. I typically don't get ready every day. They're like, I might wear makeup once every two weeks. Like I don't wear makeup most of the time, unless I'm shooting a video with my face or I have somewhere to go. Um, I don't wear a ton of makeup. I do my hair a little bit more frequently for sure. But the thing is, if I'm having a low energy day, if I feel like I can't spare it, like if I feel like I can't decide to lay in bed and take the day off or do whatever, if I have to get some shit done, I'm going to make myself get ready because I feel like getting ready makes me feel more productive, <laughs> So, um, I will put on an actual outfit. I won't just walk around my house in sweatpants and a t-shirt all day. And I will do my hair at the very least, which my favorite lazy girl way of doing my hair lately, rollers, hot rollers. Um, I love a hot rollered hairstyle. I have naturally wavy, like beach wavy hair. So my hair holds curl really, really, really well. And so rollers work really well for me. I know they're not everybody's thing in order to get the right wave. I feel like most people need like a curler because it gets hotter, but hot rollers are my go-to. They take 10 minutes to put in. I've gotten really good at it and I let them sit until they cool completely. Take them out, shake them out and you're done. Hairspray. Bam. Um, it's just like to me, a really easy way to get my hair done. And then I will tell you more about this in the future. Once I get it here, I can't believe it but I got my hands on 
the overnight blowout they had a restock today, like the day this video, this episode goes out video, <laughs> this episode goes out. Um, I literally got it today because this episode's going up a little bit late, but, uh, the overnight blowout, if you haven't heard about this, it's by, I don't even know what her name is. I'm sorry. If you look up the overnight blowout on Instagram though, you'll be directed to it. Um, and I think her website is the overnightblowout.com. But I recently bought this set that I already know because my hair is naturally wavy and it holds curls so well. Uh, this product is going to change my life. I can already tell just from the way that like I only wash my hair once per week on Sunday. Every week I wash my hair. I heat treat my hair once per week and I am able to make that one roller set. Okay. I do hot rollers. Like I said, I am able to make that last for the entire week. And that's without the overnight blowout. So I already know this extra tool is only going to enhance what I do. So really excited to receive that. I'm not going to elaborate on that too much because I'll probably talk about it in the future. But if you're somebody that's looking for like a heatless, like I feel like it's she, the creator explains it like it's meant to keep and preserve the hairstyle that you did previously. So like it's not for non heat treated hair. It's like you're meant to style your hair once that week. And then every night this like tool or these little, these, you have to look at it to kind of know it's like these rollers that you can sleep in. Uh, but they're way cooler than like any other roller because they sit on top of your head. So if you're a side sleeper, like I am, you should be able to wear them comfortably, uh, which is great for me. Cause like I said, I'm a side sleeper and that's always my problem with all these heatless curls is they're not comfortable to fucking sleep on when you're a fucking side sleeper. But in any case, um, I feel like it's going to like totally revolutionize my life having these heatless thingies to make my hair beautiful every single day, because I just feel like having my hair done on a low energy day, it makes me feel more productive. I don't, I don't know why it is. And I might even put on like mascara, you know, I don't usually do like a full beat or anything if I'm feeling low energy, but I'll put like mascara on and do my eyebrows, put an outfit on, make sure my hair looks good. That alone does a lot for me. Secondary thing after I've had a good breakfast, cause we're not doing that on an empty stomach, a cup of coffee really goes a long way. If you're somebody that drinks coffee, I respect it. If you don't coffee or matcha, even a decaf, I feel like does a lot for me. Um, it's just like something my brain is so used to getting like the hit of caffeine from regular coffee that I feel like I can smell coffee and I feel caffeinated. <laughs> so that is how I would handle it though. That is how I kind of like raise my energy a little bit to get things done. But I also think if like every day you're feeling low energy and you're like, shit, I just need to get this done. That means to me personally, that means it's time for a life evaluation. That means it's time for like, is this job worth it? Is what I'm doing worth it? And if it's not, how can I adjust or can I look for a new position? Can I do something different? Um, can I change my tasks? Am I overwhelming myself with too much? You know, you kind of have to evaluate as you go. Okay. Next question we have is, do you believe you only love one person your whole life? Absolutely not. Uh, I used to, when I was much, much younger, like as a baby child, I literally believed that there was one person for every person, you know, obviously now I'm like, there's polyamory. There's so many reasons why one person is just not correct. People die. Like people are widowed and they meet other people, you know? 
So no, I don't think that it's one person for every single person. I actually believe even right now today, I love my husband. We actually are just about to celebrate 10 years married, uh, in a week or so here, but Um, I believe right now there are other people that I could have been with at this time in my life. I don't know them personally. I don't think I know them personally anyways. Like there's nobody, there's no available bachelor that I can think of or bachelorette that I could think of as a bisexual queen myself. Um, I, I just feel like there's too many people for one person to just be it. And Yeah. So no, personally, I don't think that it's one person your whole life. I actually think that we as humans do that shit really weird. Um, I'm happy that I'm in the relationship that I'm in, but my husband and I also have the understanding that obviously we're not just going to like not be married because of something small. Like we're always willing to try to work through things, but we're not afraid of divorce. Neither one of us like Obviously it's something that we would like to avoid. It's not something that we're just running towards and we're happy right now where we're at in life. So it's not like we're looking at that, but neither of us feel like divorce is like a death sentence. Neither of us feel like that means your life ends. Neither of us have this understanding that like, honestly, sometimes things just don't work out between two people and you both need to move on to be better versions of yourselves with either other people or by yourself. So no, I don't think you only love one person your whole life. Okay. Thoughts on YouTube shorts. I absolutely hate them. (laughs) I know that's a terrible thing to say. I'm not because I hate like what creators do. I think there's really cool stuff out there. I just really deal with overstimulation quite easily. So to me, I try to like, you know, have really strong boundaries with Um, I don't even use TikTok at all anymore. Like I have cut that completely out of my branding. I don't post to it anymore. I literally don't use it. I don't trust it. (laughs) That's like another topic for another time, but I don't use TikTok at all. Um, I love Instagram. Instagram has always been like a big platform for me that I've always loved. Uh, But even Instagram, I don't keep it on my phone. I keep it on like an old iPhone that's from several generations back that my husband and I have just held on to when we upgraded our phones last time. And I keep all my social media apps on this phone. It doesn't have a phone connection. It's just over Wi-Fi. But if I need to use social media for something, this is the phone that I will use for that. I don't, I don't actually, um, keep it with me because I I just, the short form content just like kills my focus. And because of that, I was actually really sad that like YouTube started adding them in too. Um, so I'm just not really a fan. Like you'll notice, I don't really post a lot of short form content to my YouTube. It's very rare that I'll put a short out. Um, and that might be not a smart business move, but I don't know. It just seems really inauthentic for me personally. Uh, and it's something that because I try to avoid overstimulation, I just, I I hate it on YouTube. I like wish the short form content would just stay on the other social media apps and YouTube would stop trying to be everybody's daddy because YouTube is like, oh yeah, we're a podcast platform, but we're long form content, but we're short form content. Like I wish YouTube would just stop trying to be everybody's daddy and go back to being long form content only. Okay. 
Next question. Would you ever do a meet and greet here in Washington? I would love to do that. Truly. I would probably do it in like Seattle proper. I don't know where or when, but I think that would be so freaking cool. Uh, next question. Have you ever lost yourself? What did it teach you and how did you get back to yourself? So honestly, I feel like I'm still very much on this journey right now. Like I, in 2021, y'all already know what I'm going to say. Probably if you've been here a long time, but in 2021, I woke up out of a dead sleep, having a panic attack for the first time ever. It completely shook me upside down. Like I disassociated for weeks and weeks at a time. I didn't feel real. I felt like I was living in a simulation. I, um, couldn't look at the moon for like six months because it was too real. Like, I don't even know how to explain that, but I feel like I lost my mind. Like literally, I felt like I'd lost my mind. That was during my Saturn return as well. And that experience was one of the hardest, like it, no, not one of, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through. I have never, like, I felt genuinely crazy and hardest experience I've ever had. I still have feelings about it, but I genuinely felt like I lost myself. I couldn't, like, I felt like a fragment of the person that I was prior. And I still feel like even two plus years later from that experience, I do think a lot of like the really hard emotions and things that I dealt with are I'm over and I've dealt with, but what happened from that original thing is I now deal with generalized anxiety, which I'd never dealt with before. I only had social anxiety and now it's flipped. I don't deal with social anxiety, but I deal with generalized anxiety and I've had pockets of time where I haven't had anxiety at all in the last couple of years, but I feel like they're always kind of short lived. And most of the time I feel like I'm in a perpetual state of anxiety. And I hate that because prior to that, I didn't deal with generalized anxiety. And what I feel like people don't talk about with generalized anxiety is it, it does take you away. It takes you away from the present. And honestly, I'm still navigating it myself. I feel like, <sighs> what do I feel like? I feel like some days are easier than others. I feel like I've been able to exercise a lot more self-compassion. Like if you would have asked me two years ago, how much compassion I had for myself, I probably didn't have any, like none, literally none. And now I'm so, I am softer with myself. I am gentler on myself. I am kinder to myself. I don't expect as much from myself. I don't push myself as hard in some capacity. It sucks because I feel like I used to be able to accomplish so much more with such, such like less time frame. Like prior to that experience, I used to be able to make myself like a huge to-do list at the top of every day. And I would complete that whole thing in a day. And now, because I feel like my mental health just takes up so much of my space, I feel like I can only get like a handful of tasks done most days. Like I often put more on my plate than I can handle, but I'm nicer to myself when I don't get it done and that's okay. So I feel like coming back to yourself, it's... It depends on what, how you feel like you're, you lost yourself. What happened? Was the experience traumatic? Was it not? And 
I feel like it's also like radical acceptance will take you really far with it. Like if I can radically accept that I just am where I am right now and that's okay in the moment, that allows me so much more grace and freedom to explore new landscapes instead of just trying to force myself to do things that I used to do the way I used to do it. And I think something to remember is that you, you literally are always yourself. Even in that time period where I was disassociating a lot, I didn't feel like myself. Things felt really weird and stressful. And like, I didn't, I felt like a a shell of myself. I was still technically myself. I didn't go anywhere. And I feel like that's something that like, you may not want to accept where you are right now. I didn't. You may not want to accept where you are right now, but you're still yourself. You still have you. You still go to bed with yourself every night. And I feel like self-compassion, self-acceptance really is like the key back is having compassion for where you are and taking it one day at a time. And some days are going to be harder than others. Some days you're going to need to cry like a big baby about it. Some days, and I say that with love because I think crying is actually a very beautiful thing. It releases cortisol from the body. It is such a natural response to feeling overwhelmed. Some days it's going to feel like you took two steps backwards. Some days it's going to feel like you took a step forward. And the self-compassion is the piece to me that will carry you all the way forward. So... That's what I would say on that. Uh, the next question is, haha, this one's coming out of left field. Who is the hottest Hogwarts professor? Snape for me, LOL. Uh, Snape for me as well. Hands down. Um, always give me a dark daddy, please. Um, absolutely. I, when it comes to like fiction and reading, I am number one, I'm always going to be here for enemies to lovers. And I feel like Snape and I would be enemies and then we would be lovers. Um, And number two, I'm always looking for a daddy. Okay. (laughs) My first, my one of one of, I should say my first crushes as a child was Richard Gere in pretty woman. If that doesn't scream daddy energy, I don't know what does. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you understand. So yeah, it's going to be Snape for me as well. Uh, next question. What is your favorite drink for the fall? So I feel like I have too many. (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay. I'll give you a a rundown of my favorite drinks right now. Uh, number one, it's going to be the chicken bone broth for me. Big fan of the chicken bone broth. Uh, I really like the, it's called like ancient something. It's like ancient. Uh, if you just search like, Oh, it's ancient nutrition. I believe their chicken soup based bone broth is so delicious. Love that with a little bit of ginger and a little bit of pepper in it. Oh my gosh. So good. So that's really good. I also really love, um, I've been loving the pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. Obviously that's a given. I also really love getting an iced latte with soy milk and then I get it with cinnamon and honey, but you have to make sure that they put the honey in the espresso hot before they ice it. Otherwise the honey doesn't melt and it tastes weird. So that's that there was a coffee shop I used to go to in Utah when I lived there for 12 years that they called it the Winnie, like Winnie the Pooh. And it was just honey and cinnamon. And it was so fucking good. Uh, I haven't had anybody recreate it here correctly, but it is one of my favorites. And when I make it at home, I do it right. So 
Um, that is really good. I also am loving apple cider, which I told y'all I'm going to, when I open up my blog, I'm going to put my recipe for my crock pot apple cider on there for you because I think I make it really good. And I literally just came up with it off the top of my head. So crock pot apple cider. I like it hot and cold delicious. Uh, I'm also really liking the, um, just like a regular drip coffee, but the, I want to say it's like apple crumble or something. The Califia, it's a Califia creamer. And I think I talked about it last week. I was like, let me put you on. It's so good. Uh, that creamer just in like a regular cup of coffee. That's delicious. Uh, is there anything else? Oh, and like, obviously chai chai is just any chai chai from Starbucks, chai from a local coffee shop. Chai is the business. Uh, big fan of chai. Those are, that's what I'm drinking currently. Oh, and also this one's not really necessarily like a quote unquote fall drink, but it came out within the last several months and I'm drinking it now because my store recently finally got it. And it's the Olipop in the cream soda flavor. Uh, like I said, not necessarily very fall inspired, but it is something I've been drinking a lot of. So those are my faves right now. Uh, the next question is what do you normally do on Halloween day and night? I love this question. Thank you so much. So this question, um, it's usually one of two things. So my husband and I were both chaos practitioners or chaos witches. And, uh, within that we do celebrate traditional pagan holidays. So we celebrate Samhain and we celebrate, um, Maybon. Maybon is coming up. Oh my gosh. Maybon is coming. <gasps> I y'all Maybon is actually going to be on Thursday. Holy shit. I'm going to have to talk to my husband about what, about what we're going to do this year. Okay. So when it comes to Halloween, the reason I bring up Maybon and Samhain, Samhain is on Halloween. Maybon is on the 21st of September, both of these holidays. So September 21st, that is the fall equinox. Okay. So when that happens, that's the first day of fall. So you celebrate the first day of fall, right? Even though we've already been celebrating. <laughs> uh, and then Samhain is on Halloween. It's All Hallows Eve or yeah, no, it's Halloween. It's on Halloween. But I bring up both holidays because my husband and I, we switch it sometimes. Like we don't always do the same thing on Halloween. We don't always do the same thing on Maybon. We usually do one of two things, but whichever one we do on Maybon, we do the other one on Halloween and vice versa. If we do, if we like whichever one gets done on one, we do the other one on the other. So the two things that we may do on Halloween, depending on what we do for Maybon, we'll do one of one of them. Either we will do our quote unquote, which is Thanksgiving. Cause my husband and I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. It's colonizers holiday. Um, it's just not our thing. Um, if we were like home with family, we would sit and eat with them. Like, it's not like we're like, Oh, how dare you celebrate Thanksgiving? Like, I think it's fine to want to eat with your family, but it's something that like, if we had children, it wouldn't be something that we would perpetuate as a tradition. And because we don't have any family around us, we just don't really feel the need to celebrate it. So we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but what we've done is we basically do Thanksgiving styled food. So we'll do, um, like this year we might actually do Turkey since we're both not vegan anymore, but previously we would do like some kind of plant-based loaf, mashed potatoes, gravy, sweet potatoes, mashed as well. Uh, pumpkin pie, 
uh, stuffing, you know, the works. Brussels sprouts usually with some like cranberries and shit in them. Uh, it's a vibe. So we usually do things like a big Thanksgiving styled meal. Okay. So we'll either do that or we will do uh, chili and horror movies. <laughs> so uh, the chili, crockpot chili, that comes from my parents. Um, on Halloween, that's what my parents do. They don't watch horror movies because they're not horror movie people, but they always, my mom and I specifically, we would always watch Wizard of Oz because my mom doesn't like scary movies like at all. Um, she's very, she's scared of masks. Like even in her like old age, she's afraid of masks. Um, she doesn't like scary movies. And so we would do crock pot chili and we would watch wizard of Oz because that's like my mom's like, that's as scary as it gets for her is the witches and wizard of Oz. Uh, so we would watch that as a kid. I don't watch wizard of Oz, but my husband and I have taken that tradition and we make chili in the crock pot still but then we'll just watch horror movies. So last year we watched the shining. Uh, I want to say we also watched scream last year, which is my personal favorite, but whichever one we decide to do for Maybon, we'll do the other one on Samhain. So that's usually, I, I can't even say that because we've done it. We've swapped it so many times that I think traditionally I prefer to do chili and horror movies on Halloween. Cause that's what I'm used to. But I also feel like this year I am not ready to have Thanksgiving in like four days. <laughs> that is something that like I usually invite friends over for like it's a whole to do and I am just not prepared to do that. So I, it sounds like it's going to be horror movies and crockpot chili for Maybon this year and it's going to be Thanksgiving on Samhain. But that's what the tea is for Halloween. Love that for me. All right, y'all, that is going to conclude our episode. Thank you so much for listening for taking this one ran a little long, but thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions. I really appreciate it. They were fun to answer. And, um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Sorry that the episode was late this week. I just didn't get the opportunity to record over the weekend. And this is when I had time was on Monday during the day. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you so, so much. Don't forget to check out the description and ways that you can support me or follow me around the web. And, uh, don't forget to grab my course authentically aligned. It's currently 50% off for autumn. And, uh, I think you're really going to love it. And if you need to do so. We also have pay in for options through PayPal for it. It's a four week course with over 20 video segments, four different workbooks that help you to reconnect with your authentic self, all guided by me, your instructor, Chloe Taylor. And I would love to have you in the program as a student. Um, it's all self-paced as well. So like you can take your time doing it at whatever pace is comfortable for you. And, uh, thank you so very much for tuning in. Don't forget to stay cozy and I will talk to you again next Monday. Bye.